to a passage of Scripture I would like you to consider. It is a passage that uh, is unusual. It is a passage that speaks real truth in the midst of it. And it's one that embodies um, the fundamentals of our faith. And so just look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, a verse, unfortunately, that has come upon much hard times. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and teaching and training in righteousness. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. This is the Word of God, and as the grass withers and the flower fades, the Word of God will stand forever. Ever. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We ask You, God, to teach us from it, to instruct us in it, to correct us by it, to confront us with it. We ask, O oh Lord, that Your Spirit, by Your Spirit, that you, we would not only understand it, but that we would embrace the obedient call that it calls us to, and the more than that, that we would embrace the rock of our salvation who is the only one that can enable us to live in obedience to Your Word. We ask in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. After the bulletin was printed and before the printer crashed, the title of the sermon is Religion, Revelation, and Scripture. Those are the three points. The title of the sermon is In the Light of Scripture. In the Light of Scripture. And so the first thing I want you to write down is the first point. Number one, religion. Number one, religion. And I want to speak a moment about the nature of religion. The nature of religion. The Bible tells us that man has been created in the image of God. In our study of the Ten Commandments, we did that doctrinally and spoke about that when he talked about, you shall not worship idols and so we talked about that. And when sin came into the world by the fall, the image bearer, you and I, the image of the Most High in us became sullied. It became foggy. It became as looking through a glass lit darkly. But the seed of religion was still present. The seed of religion was still present in all of men and through the sinful nature it constantly reacts against this as people continue to form and to create and to follow and to leave and to start and to move and to be done and start again and move and do this all in the name of something they call religion. That's the nature of it. But it doesn't touch just the deepest springs of a man's life it also controls his thoughts and his feelings. Today in American politics, there is more loyalty to the party than there is to the people. There's more loyalty to the party than there is to the people. And this is demonstrated when, you, when people that are of that belief 
do not tolerate to watch people of the two parties try to come together to bring the margins to the middle. Names begin to drop. And so party politics is nothing more than a picture of religion for some. Football can be a religion. I know tonight I need to be done by 7.20, but I'm not. But I know what happens at 7.20. The Cowboys will begin once again their advance to the Super Bowl. And their faithful followers will leave and watch them. And more power to them. But as for me and my half, we, we shall stay and clean up. So what is religion? Well, in the Old Testament, it, don't write it down because I'm going to give you a definition, but I just want you to know what it is in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, religion is known as the fear of the Lord. As the fear of the Lord, and this fear is not a feeling of dread, but of reverent regard for God akin to all, coupled with love and confidence. That's the way religion was presented in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it is a response to the gospel rather than to the law, and it assumes the form of faith and godliness instead of law-keeping and behavior. So what is the nature of religion? Well, it is a deep, deep source within every person. And it moves them, whether it's politics, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Christianity, American Christianity. It can be eschatological views, interpretive views, whatever. It can be anything. Or it can be nothing. But in light of Scripture, we learn to understand that religion is a relation in which man stands to God. Religion is the relation in which man stands to God. But how do I know that? Because it's in the light of Scripture. You cannot have religion that is not tied to the Word of God. Or else it is a false religion. No man can stand in the face of God apart from the revelation of the Word. That's why it's important what they're doing. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the what? Four spiritual laws. Evangelism explosion. Faith evangelism. Continue witness training. Mm -mm. Yesterday when I sat down with Kinley, I purposely did everything against my own nature and training and upbringing so that when she is an adult, she will remember that at Chick-fil-A, what took place was in front of an open Bible that any person could have done. But it was just particularly special because I got to be the next link in the chain. but all glory to Christ. And so a relation in which a man is conscious of the absolute majesty and infinite power of his own, of God in his own revelation of himself and man's complete insignificance and absolute helplessness. You will never ever accomplish overcoming fear until you nail to death the idea that there is anything in you that is acceptable to God. You will be dominated by headlines, 
Look, the last 200 years has all been about postmodernism. I went to college during postmodernism. Postmodernism says there is no absolute truth. Postmodernism is dead. It died September 11, 2001, philosophically. Now, what do people look for? They don't look for the truth, they look for what's false. And yet there's a couple of us nuts around the world, faithful men of God in the pulpit, that said we're not going to tell you all that's false, we're going to tell you what is true. I want to go to a church that loves the lost. I don't. I want to go to a church that loves the church. Let me illustrate that for you. For you to say that, I want to go to a church with a pastor that loves the lost. I will show you a church that has a pastor that loves the lost that does not feed his sheep. And it would be similar to this. I thought of this this morning after my French toast. It would be like me saying this. The same illustration, because the church is the bride of Christ. I want a husband that loves every woman but his wife. And so therefore, I let every unmarried man have her way with my wife because I'm so brave and virtuous to say, I love all of the people out there more than my own wife who I have been given to as a gift of God and whom I am the gift of God to her. I'm her husband. She is my wife. She is hands off, period. We've got it all backwards. And see, when you sit here and you listen to people bravely say, I want to go where they love the lost. Folks, the church is not a place for the lost. It's the place for the saved. It is the bride. That's what makes it the church. You say, where is this truth? The B-I-B-L-E, and however the rest of the song goes. That's whatever for me. Some of you don't believe that, but it's because you're, you're, you are significantly have been pushed by the society you've lived in, and we are living in a day where everybody is trying to find out who's false, who's not telling the truth, and we have the truth in front of us. And is it no wonder that Paul told Timothy and said, the day will come when good will become called bad and bad will become called good, and what will happen? People will no longer listen to sound teaching. Look at the size of our group. This morning where they're having Sean Hannity preach, or this morning where Donald Trump is the subject, or whatever, the congregations are full. Where the places are where they speak of the rapture and the premillennial return of Jesus Christ, it's full. Where the faithful Word of God is faithfully expounded, truth and doctrine, where the pastor's sole mission is not the lost, but is to feed the sheep you see a dwindling group of people. Well, according to modern business practices, that means he's a failure. The very first missionary to go overseas and translate the Bible into a foreign language name was Adoniram Judson. And Adoniram Judson went away, and by today's standard, 
he wouldn't even be accepted into a junior Bible college for his success. And here I have a sermon of Adoniram Judson delivered by a Burmese pastor who was born again because prophetically they had always said in Myanmar in Burma there would one day be a man that would bring a book. And the legalized religion there, though persecuted, is Christianity. For some of you, you wouldn't support it because it doesn't have the bling and the blitz. Jesus knows all of this. He demonstrated this in John 6 when He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciples. I want to tell you something. He was left with 12 guys. If there was a church, there'd have been a deacon's meeting. He'd been fired as Messiah. Because the idea is that the church exists for the lost. The lost exists for the church. We are the bride of Christ. And so the manner of this religious worship and service is not left to some kind of arbitrary will of man, but it is determined by God. Religion is only religion when it is rooted in the Word of God and the worship of God as He is revealed in Scripture, period. Amen? What have you heard the last 20 years? Well, I don't have a religion. I have a relationship. We don't do pithy statements at the Journey Church. It's just like we don't eat snack wells here. You remember when snack wells came out in the 90s? I was in pilot training. Snack wells came out. I was a little bit heavy. Sometimes we couldn't put enough fuel on the plane because I had too much fuel here. So I'd get snack wells. And you remember what snack wells were? That's when everything, you weren't supposed to eat anything fat. And then Atkins came out and you eat everything that's fat, right? And we're still dying. You know, what did this guy die of? Good health. You know, what did he die of? He died of good health. We're still dying. But I remember getting snack wells. You know, you could eat a whole box of those in one sitting and not feel guilty about it. it tastes like cardboard. Remember that? I do. We don't do that. We don't do snack wells. We do what the Word of God says. And so religion is true religion when it is determined by God. That's why it is necessary. Where they're going, people have a form of religion. They have a form of godliness, but they do not know they're bringing a book. They have decided to give their life. Did you know the Bible says that we knit the, our wedding gown, the bride's wedding gown, with the works of our righteousness? Did any of you make your own wedding gowns? I know I didn't make mine. But with our own righteousness, we knit our wedding gowns as the bride of Jesus. They've chosen their life to take the word where people practice a form of religion. But the eyes will be open. But there's the difference. Where they're going, they, those people kill for their faith. We die for ours. So yeah, I'll put my pocketbook in that. But I'll also put my knees in it too. Because they're not going to make converts. They're not going to go say the sinner's prayer. They're going to make disciples of Jesus. Like this man who preaches today because of a failure that went before him 140 years. Religion ultimately, the seed of religion is in the heart of man. I told you about the nature. The nature of religion is deep within us but true religion is to God. The seed of religion is truly in the heart. The psalmist says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew the right spirit within me. In Proverbs, he says, Keep my heart with all diligence. 
for out of it flow all the issues of life. Jesus says in Matthew 5 verse 8, He says, Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. When people talk about their heart, I want you to listen to this. There are several wrong views respecting the seat of religion in men. Some think that it is primarily a sort of knowledge. It's located in the intellect. People have accused me of being the kind of man I am because of my intellect. I could not be the man I am without my intellect and I couldn't have my intellect unless God gave it to me. I am what I am. A temperamental Irishman. Other regards it as a kind of immediate feeling. Oh, it's all love. Ha ha, he he. Let's just be together. Kumbaya. And, and they find the seat of religion in feelings. And still others hold that it consists more of a moral activity. You don't do this and you don't do that. We're going to have a murder trial this week here in Gainesville. And the guy that's being tried has already admitted to doing it. The jury has to decide if it was self-defense or not. And then the next week we're going to have a trial where a wife killed her husband. Same thing, and she's admitted to it. And I was like, where do these people live? Do they live on the south side of town? All of these, but it was a feeling. However, all these views are one-sided and they're contrary to Scripture because the Bible says religion involves the whole man. Right down Proverbs 4.23, it involves his intellect, his emotions, and his moral life. It is the only view that does justice to the nature of Religion is the seat of it, is the heart of man as revealed in Scripture. And then what is the origin of it? What is the origin of religion? The Bible is, gives the only reliable account of the origin of religion. It informs us, listen, of the existence of God. It is the, and it informs us of the only object worthy of religious worship. Moreover, it comes to us with the assurance that God, whom man could never discover with his natural power, has revealed himself with the greatest miracle that has ever happened. He came and walked upon the earth as a man, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in light of Scripture, you have number one, religion. And I've shown you the nature, the seat, and the origin. Number two, revelation. Revelation, very quickly... This is not complicated, so don't make your mind think it is. It's not complicated. Revelation. I want to speak to you first about general revelation, then specific revelation. This discussion of revelation naturally leads on to the origin of revelation. If God had not revealed Himself, listen to me, religion would be impossible. There would be no religions on earth if God had not walked in the garden. If God had walked in the garden alone, there would be no religion. Why? Because it goes back to the Imago Dei, the image of God on man. It is the reason man is religious. He is seeking something beyond himself. Man could not possibly have had any knowledge of God if he had not made himself known. And left to himself, he would have never discovered God. Never. And we distinguish between God's revelation in nature and His revelation in Scripture. I talked to you first a moment ago about nature. But let me show, tell you something. Atheists and agnostics, do you know why they don't believe in God? I want to, This is something you're going to learn. The reason atheists and agnostics do not believe in God is because they don't believe in the concept of revelation. That's all. They're morally ambiguous as to whether there's a deity or not. They could care less. 
they do not believe in revelation, as it is in the movie Nacho Libre. I don't believe in God. I believe in science. I did that for you, Noah. Glad you laughed. That's a, fam that's a family thing, but there's a thing. I don't believe in God. I believe in science. The reason they are atheists and agnostics, it's not the deity. It's the revelation. It's the revelation. Pantheists sometimes speak of it, but it has no place in their system. Deists like Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, de deists admit the revelation of God nature and they deny the necessity, the reality, or the possibility of a special revelation. We believe in general and special revelation. Historically, we believe that because it's what the Bible teaches. So let me speak then on general revelation quickly. Write this down, general revelation. The general revelation of God is prior to His special revelation in a point of time. It simply is this. It does not come from man in any form of verbal communication, but it comes from this. It comes from facts, forces, laws of nature, and the constitution and operation of the human mind. The fact that there's gravity means there's a gravity maker. The fact that there is uh, Newton's law, anything in motion remains in motion until a force of equal or opposite acts upon it. The laws of inertia speak to God. I know some of you are cold, those of you visiting, that's why we say we're frozen chosen. And then there are the facts and experiences of history. The facts and the experiences of history. That's general revelation, but that's not enough to bring a man into a relationship with God. Where they're going, 99% of the people believe that Jesus Christ was a great prophet. If they're practicing Islamist, and you know they're not because there are just as many fake Islamists as there are fake Christians. But what about special revelation? What do we know about that? You have revelation in general. You have this general revelation. It says, O Jehovah, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Romans 2, 14 and 15, For when the Gentiles that have not the law, do by nature the things of the law. These not having the law are a law unto themselves, and that they show the works of the law written in their hearts and their conscience bearing witness therein, their thoughts one to another accusing or else, exclu or else excusing them. They have these urges and they don't know what they are. Well, let me tell you the insufficiency of general revelation. This is why we know that a person who has not heard the gospel will not ever enter the bliss of eternity if they die before they hear it. Because general revelation is insufficient. Why is this? This was not believed until the last 400 years. What I just said, and some of you don't believe it anyway, because you think it has an issue to do with the character of God, and you have no right to say anything of the character of God until you have read and can fully understand His character in the Bible, which can be summarized in a four-letter word. Holy. Period. We have no concept 
Pelagians and rationalists, they say that the revelation of God in nature as it is now is sufficient, whereas Roman Catholics and Protestants unusually agree at this point, will say, no, that is not sufficient because of sin. When people run around and they talk about we have free choice, the different, or we have a free will, we don't. We have a will that is in bondage to sin. No one has ever had a free will since Adam. When Adam fell, the curse came upon him and Eve, and they have been stained with the same nature ever since and in bondage. And what is the proof of it? Death. The wages of sin is death. No man has ever been free since Adam because he is in bondage to sin. God didn't do that. Adam did it. And so the handwriting of the Creator is not enough, and it's not a spiritual thing enough, so it cannot furnish us a trustworthy thing. And so you have someone that says they had this experience, and someone says they had this experience, and someone says they have this experience. What am I to do with that? I'm not a politician. I say, so well, what's the truth? Well, my truth's my truth. You sound like a post-millennialist. Not a post-millennialist, a post-modernist. You definitely don't sound like a post-millennialist. A post-modernist. A, po- a post-millennialist would say, let me tell you what the truth is. The Bible says. But a post-modernist would say, my truth's my truth. You, you have no right to tell me. I have every right. And I have a charter, a call, and an ambassadorship by God. And an ordination. Yes, I do. So the present religious confusion that's out there today that runs amok of those who base their religion purely on natural basis clearly proves its sufficiency. Because, I mean, one person can say, well, I felt this way tonight. And another person's over here that said, well, I felt this way tonight. And one ate a burrito at the Easy Go over in Whitesboro. And another one came over here and had a soft taco at Taco Bell. And I'm going to tell you, the next morning they both were different. They had been changed. And they, ex- they believe that their experience is from what they felt. That is insufficient. If it was sufficient, they don't need to leave. And if it is sufficient for them to leave, to go do this, and give their young lives to this, they're going to have their children probably over there. And speak Russian. New Paruski. Nimnoga. Yet. USSR. Putin. I know that word. Putin. Listen to me. If they can give their life to it, you can too. Or is it that, or are you just an American Christian? Because they are going to learn one thing real fast. People don't do Christianity anywhere else in the world like we do it here. And it is to our shame. One day there'll be Ukrainians and Russians and Tajikistanians meeting at a journey church over there getting ready to send missionaries to America to bring the truth. Because all the preachers either got run off or killed or died. But what is the value of the general revelation? General revelation has a value. Why? Because 
It shows that men may live in darkness and ignorance, but there is a light that has come. And so there's a value. You have revelation in general. General revelation, it is insufficient. There's a value. But then let me speak to you also quickly about special revelation. And it is simply this. Now you hear the Pentecostals use this term today. They're what's called open canon. And if they were sitting in here, they'd say, absolutely right. So I would not be offending them to say this. They believe in open canon that God is not done revelating His will, revealing His will and saying all He's had. Uh, what's our Greek word class? Baloney. Yeah, He is. Everything we need to know is in the Bible. Take a lifetime to learn it. Well, God revealed this to me. I'm supposed to go up Throckmorton Street instead of going on down to so-and-so so I can miss the train so I can be at the dentist one minute early to get my tooth drilled out. That is not special revelation. Sorry. That's mysticism, which is witchcraft. Special revelation is this. Write it down. The Bible is. The Bible is preeminently, preeminently the book of God's special revelation. A revelation in which facts and words go hand in hand. The words interpreting the facts and the facts giving substance to the word. That's their training. That's their calling. That's the weight of the ministry. Thank God they're not going over there to change a she to a he and a he to a her. That is a heavy weight. It must be what it is. Because to worship God correctly, it must be done by the Word of God. That is His special revelation. It is not a Pentecostal charismatic revelation. It is a revealed revelation. This is God's special revelation. And all of you that have it are blessed. Where they're going, they don't have it. That's why you need to give an offering that is a sacrifice. There is the necessity of it because of this. Man was blinded by the fall, so God had to reinterpret His creation so man could see it. And so He provided the revelation with a... With a with redemption, that He should illuminate the mind of man and redeem it from the power of error. And that's what He did by sending Jesus Christ. And in doing so, He did it in the Old Testament with theophanies, which are visible manifestations of God. He did it with direct communications through the prophets or to Himself to the prophets. He did it with the miracles. And I want to say something about miracles and just straighten this up if it needs to be straightened up. Miracles of the Bible never need to be regarded as mere marvels which fill men with amazement. Every miracle that was... Listen, are you listening? Say amen. Every miracle performed by Jesus Christ was for the purpose of symbolizing a special truth that pointed to God's redemptive work. It never pointed to the easing of man. It never pointed to the power of man. Imagine if I could stand here in Benny Hinn's coat. What would happen? I have seen him throw his coat. 
And I have seen things happen that I still can't believe what I saw. But there is something I hold in my hands much more powerful. Because everything God did with Christ to the miracles was to point to His redemption. And I want you to understand this. They are also signs of the coming kingdom. And the redemptive powers. And let me just say it. Write it down. The greatest miracle of all was the coming of the Son of God. Not your healing. You may be not healed, that you may learn to suffer with grace so that you may teach others who are suffering the same path. These kids are going to suffer. Sarah Ann's dad's a pastor. Bless you. You're another PK that turned out good. Noah has his battles and had, and they're his to tell if he wants to tell. But God didn't make junk with him. And his faith has stood the test. And now it's ready because of the struggles. It is now ready to go face struggles you and I have never faced and probably never will. And if all they did was pray and act with incantations and hopping around like Indians, they would not be prepared to go. And that will be the greatest threat to your ministry when you're there of those who will do that coming behind you. That is why the Journey Church in New Delhi is still strong. There have been those who have come to try to take it away with the spiritual, supernatural, and everything else, but we grounded them in the Word of God. And their men have gone to seminary to be trained because this pastor believes you must be. So special revelation of God. I want you to take this away with you. The special revelation of God is a revelation of redemption. It is not your peace. It's not your comfort. It's not your felt need, Stephen Furtick. It's not that. The special revelation of God is a revelation of redemption and that is not seen in you or in me or in the church. It is seen in the person and the work of Jesus Christ who has come to redeem a people who have committed cosmic treason. And out of God's goodwill and pleasure, He has chosen to save whom He will save. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. They are the tip of the spear. You say, why, why not do a commission service? Because you've heard all of that. I want you to see this is, the brevi- this is not something that's about brevity. They give their life to it. Only one job more dangerous than that. Probably a Friday night high school football coach or a local pastor. But one's more worthy. Two's more worthy than the other. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you this. Write it down. God is about the business through His revelation of transforming the lives of sinners into saints. That's it. So what does that mean about the Scripture then? I conclude with the Scripture. There are several things I could say I want to finish. So I want to say this about the Scripture. 
because this is what they're going to do. It has to do with the, you must know this. It has to do with this word, write it down, organic inspiration. Number three, the scripture, I want you to write down organic inspiration. It simply means this. The Bible is written by men whom the Holy Spirit acted upon the writers of the Bible in an organic way. Nothing supernatural. An organic way in harmony with the laws of their own mind, personality, and being. He didn't make them into something they were not. He used them the way they are. And when you consider the, that Matthew is written by an IRS agent that cheated people, and when you consider if Paul wrote Hebrews, that would make him the writer of the most words of the New Testament, was Saul of Tarsus, the most pharisaical of the Pharisees, even zealous to persecuting the church, and God used him and wrote about what? Grace. Peter that denied Jesus, and how dare we judge other people? Rahab is in the line of Jesus Christ, a prostitute. People say, why did Joshua fight the battle of Jericho? If you don't believe in the doctrine of election, that's where you can start. God had them go fight the battle of Jericho to redeem Rahab the harlot and her family. Well, she lied. God doesn't redeem you and make you perfect. He sent a perfect one to take your place. How do we know that? We read it in the Scripture. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness, not of Jesus, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Does that not move you? Do you know what Muslims want to know more than anything? I've been overseas and ministered to Muslims and seen Muslims born again. They got to get past the Trinity, thinking it's pantheism. It's not. They got to get past the Trinity. That's easy. And the next part is you just tell them how much God loves them. They've never known it. And you go back to the covenant of Abraham, who is the fountain of their faith too. And the word in Galatians, I studied this this morning, Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, it talks about circumcision and non-circumcision are of no avail to the Lord Jesus Christ. But faith but faith demonstrated by love. And I did a word study on that. That word love there, it's used. The way it's used is God's covenant love. The only thing I can compare it to is a mother's love. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Well, that's what's the difference about a mother and, and Jesus' love. Mama has a spoon. And she can call dad. But it is a covenant love. You share that with a Muslim. Take them all the way back to where? The Abrahamic covenant. Which is a covenant of what? Redemption. Which is a based on what? A covenant made with Noah. That's a covenant of what? Redemption. 
which you go back into the Old Testament, you go back into Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and you see the Adamic covenant, the covenant God made, and He said, I will save. And then you look into your Bible farther because you study your Bible and you realize before the foundations of the world there was the meeting of the Trinity and said we will have the everlasting covenant of redemption. We will decree it and we will write the names down. Jesus, you will go gather them revealed in Scripture. You will write it in your book of life. You will give them to me and I will give them to you as a reward and you shall be known as King of kings and Lord of lords. Where is that? In this book. And a Muslim who hears it says, Jesus is Lord. The man who got his first Masters of Divinity with your money at the Journey Church in New Delhi was the first convert in the Journey Church of New Delhi from Hinduism. And he is the worship leader. Never, ever would I have thought. Ladies and gentlemen, God uses everyone that's willing. And he may, if, if, if you're willing, He's able. And so, what does that mean? God spoke the word through ordinary means to ordinary men, but everything was perfect. And that's what we, when I say organic inspiration, I want you to write down the word plenary. Plenary, P-L-E-N-A-R-Y. And this is what it means. All of the Scripture, every part of the Bible is inspired by God. Revelation, a religion, revelation, and the Scripture all come in light of the Scripture. The next time you see Sarah Ann and Noah Nelson after tonight, in all likelihood will be a photo from an email that they may or may not send. You'll hear of them often. We promise they will come see us if they come home early. I'm already praying that God will make the way for me to go see them and perhaps take some that we may bring refreshment. There may be some things Noah can't pack in his suitcase. I gave him a whole lot of boots. He's the only guy that's got foot as big as mine. He may want to have some peanut butter crackers. He may want some Jif peanut butter or melted bluebell ice cream bar some Heinz ketchup or maybe a Jiffy Puff marshmallow. I don't know. But what they're going to do is fundamentally what I've told you. They're going to a place that is religious. And they're going to bring an authentic revelation, the revelation. The special revelation of God. They're going to bring the Scripture. And because of that, and it may be years, it was 17, 18, 19 years before Adoniram Judson saw one person believe. I came up to the building this morning and saw all the front of these buildings here that say for rent. 
I was looking to see would they have an eviction letter on our door. And then I was thinking, what would people say if, they, if there was? What difference does it make? God's gospel is not given to those who are the able. It is given to the willing. And He makes them able. We need to be part of making them able to fulfill what they need. And I for, them, I for one do not want them to struggle or to worry anything about their day's bread. But I know this, if they believe in Christ as they do, they never will beg bread. I have not ever in my lifetime seen a righteous man beg for bread. I've seen his car repossessed, but I've never seen him beg for bread. And so we'll have some more poignant moments with them tonight. And we'll pray over them. Uh, if there was a way for me to ordain you, I would. I don't have anything to ordain you into. And go throw you in the lake. That won't be fun. Uh, but I, I just want you, all of you to understand, I hope that you can see the weight of this. This is the weight of glory. And God has chosen to save in Tajikistan. He has chosen. And He has chosen to save in Tajikistan in His ordinary way by sacrificing the willing. Would you be willing to sacrifice for the willing? Would you be willing to help them complete the mission? to let them fulfill their life, however long or short it may be, but to give a moment of your time and take it away from what you see to remember them and your part in that. Even so, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Glory to God. Would you stand?